1: we
2: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show. Today sent down with me finally after I paid him to be on, after all this time, I have Coach Siassi. He is the offensive line coach and run game coordinator at Bryant University. Coach, thank you for being here, or the other Coach Steve, as I'll call you too.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, Coach.
2: No problem. We tried, we tried, we tried, but you're a hot commodity. And... <laughs> um. <laughs> No, I appreciate you taking time. You know, like, like we said, you're going to take a mental day here soon. We're all going to get busy. So just glad I caught you before we all got way too busy to do any, anything like this. Absolutely. So um, I wanted to ask, how did you get into coaching? Because we all have like a path that we go on to get into coaching. And in turn with that, how did you end up at Bryan University in Rhode Island?
0: Yeah, uh, pretty simple uh, in terms of how I got into coaching. Uh, even as a young kid, like I didn't start playing football until about seventh grade, sixth, seventh grade. Uh, so I was a late starter, but I always followed football. My uncle is the O line coach at the University of West Florida in uh, Pensacola. They were D two national champs a couple of years ago. Really good program, and um, he played football at NC State. Kind of grew up. Um, you know, my father was my, my father figure, and then my, my uncle was kind of like a guy that I saw early as a kid coach one college game. I said, that's what I want to do. And um, so it just had the back of my m- mind I was going to coach. Uh, when I got to college, uh, I played at Wagner College in New York City. Um, my goal was to actually be a high school coach. You know, my high school coach, Gary Rodenbaugh, made a huge impression on me, uh, really helped me as a young man grow up uh, and make better decisions in my life and make the right decisions. Um, so I said to myself, like, I wanted to be that type of guy and kind of help young men get to the next stage of life, get to college. And then as I was going through college, I would see teammates of mine that were graduating ahead of me, um, kind of get done playing college football and just like that moment of reality hit where it's over. And it always shocked me, like I, and I understood it when I went through it, guys just not knowing what to do, you know, when it's over, it's over. And you think about all the hours we put in and everything like that. And I said to myself, like, man, like, there's a – as much as we need to help young men get from high school to college, there's a huge need for college coaches to care about helping guys take the next step when football's done in your life because it plays such a huge part. So that's when I kind of said to myself, like, my junior year, sophomore, junior year of college, I said, I'm going to go into college coaching. So my senior year, we were very fortunate. Uh, we finished the season. Uh, we won the league. Our uh, national ranked in FCS football. And we lost in the second round of the playoffs, Eastern Washington out there. And uh, I got off the plane and I, I had been harassing my head coach, Paul Hamlin at the time, he said I wanted to get into college coach. And he had a rule that he didn't have former players, GA. He felt you had to go somewhere else, go learn how to coach, and then come back so you weren't coaching your former teammates. And we got off the plane. And that next morning I walked around right into his office just told him, like, hey, I'm showing up this week. I'm going to coach for you. And so – I don't know why he did it, but he bent the rule and he let me do it. Um, so I got my career start there. I was there for two years. Uh, one, first year as assistant O-line coach, then I got promoted to tackles tight ends. Um, we shared the league title that year, had a really successful year. Finished my master's. Uh, it was time for me to leave, get a full-time job. So I went and coached O-line at Pace University uh, in Westchester, New York. Awesome place. I always credit it. Um, Andy Rondo, the head of football coach there at Pace. Um, not a lot of people know what he's done there and the type of work it took, but he took a program that had won like one game in five years and has had like three winning seasons the past three years and just kept building and building in. He's the guy that taught me everything I need to know about being a college coach. I feel like I kind of skated by my first two years. I was young. I was eager to do the football stuff. And he's the guy that humbled me and really taught me how to recruit. How to evaluate, you know, how to, you know, coach at the lower level when you gotta do everything, you know, from equipment to to you know, we were we didn't even have a field when we got there. We were practicing on a grass field, a line field, and everything. And I always say that was my education coach and working under him. And he let a young he let a young coach do a lot the old line and, and experiment and do stuff. And I always appreciate him for that. So I was there a year and then I got called back to my alma mater. Uh, Wagner College, my my O line coach, Jason Hotelling, became uh, the head coach, and he hired me to come back and coach the D line um, and then be a special teams coordinator, recruiting coordinator. Loved it. Kind of flipped up my head a little bit, coaching the other side of the ball, and then coaching the special teams taught me just how to coach every other position on the field um, and how to learn how to talk to an entire team, which was critical for me. I'd never done that before. And then the recruiting coordinator stuff, I tell everyone, that's just fun stuff you do, man. It's awesome. Um, did that for two years. We had some success, had some great players. And then I uh, just got the itch to get back to the old line So I knew my GA clock wasn't done yet. I had a little bit of time left. So I just put out feelers. I hit up everybody. Wasn't really getting a lot of responses back. And I was very fortunate. Um, Alan Moger is the old line coach at FIU. is a very close friend. He's a brother to me and a mentor. Um... Who I had met early in my coaching career and just kind of built a relationship with. He told me, Why don't you come work for me? And so I packed up my stuff, left New York City, and drove down to Miami. And GA there for a year had had a lot of success as a program. Really learned more football in that year than I did my previous um, career and just learned under great coaches. And like that was the first job I was at where the bulk of the staff had been in it for a long, long time. And so, like, I was, you know, That was my fifth year coaching, and I was just able to sit in rooms with guys that had been on national championship teams. I coached in the NFL. I coached at Power Five, coached at the highest level, and I just soaked it all in, and I I have a closet full of notebooks and binders from there of just just pure notes. I learned something every day, and it was awesome. So, I worked for great people and Coach Sprosky, Coach Mo, uh, the whole staff there, Coach Davis, and just learned a ton, and so I did that, and then Got a phone call from uh, Chris Merritt, who's our head coach here at Bryant. We were down in the Bahamas Bowl again, ready to play Toledo, which is a pretty nice destination for a bowl game. I always tell everyone I feel like my, my one year, one bowl game I've done, my, my coaching journey was the Bahamas Bowl, so I lucked out pretty damn well. Um, uh, coach Merritt and I have known each other for about nine years. He called me and said, I'm interviewing for the Bryant job. Is it something you'd be interested in? I told him, Yes. I uh, played against Bryant. I coached against Bryant. I knew the type of school and the, the facilities we have here and the resources that the school puts in their football program are incredible. So he flew down to the Bahamas. We interviewed prior to the game. Uh, we won the game and then got back. He met with me again in Miami and he accepted the job and he asked me to come be his line coach. And so left the GA spot at FIU and came up and took this job. And that was going on three years ago. So just a, uh, that's how I wound up in Rhode Island. It was 85 degrees when I left Miami. It was about eight degrees when I got here in January 2019. So, but it's been an awesome journey. It's been a unique experience. So, I've loved every second.
2: That's quite the journey you got there. Good thing you went that route instead of high school. You don't have to deal with all the stuff we deal with. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Especially the COVID year. You didn't want to deal with that. (laughs) You didn't want to go through that. Um, No,
0: no, no.
2: Like we talked before, having three seasons and six months or less, like right, and no off season. We didn't have them in the weight room either. Thank goodness we didn't have all the injuries that we thought we would without working out.
0: Like no doubt that that, that was our biggest fear this past year. You know, for us, it was it was very like, you know, we trained this fall and it was one of those deals. You know, we we played a modified spring season. So we only our league only played four games, mm-hmm. um, which I think was very. In hindsight, I think it was a great decision by the league. I know, like, looking at some of the other FCS leagues, some teams were playing eight games and, you know, nine games. And we we were very fortunate for the most part in terms of injuries where I, a lot of the rosters I saw as I just kept following FCS football throughout the, the spring. Um, no, nah, it was a crazy year, you know. Really, like, we keep saying to our guys, our guys have responded. Like, these guys haven't had a true offseason since – February of 2020, and mm-hmm. so it just—I don't think we're going to be on a, a regular path until next year, you know, next January when our guys show up after this season. That's the first time we'll actually be back on a normal calendar cycle. So,
2: yeah, because since you play in the spring, your spring ball had to take place in the summer, basically, right? Or did you have to like skip that and go straight to like summer stuff?
0: Yeah, we we had to skip. We basically went. We played our spring our spring uh, season gave them off a, about a week, got them back in training and they went home for a few weeks and they were back and we'd lost, you know, the spring ball. So really what we've just done this summer is it's been our, our big mentality this summer was like, let's just get them back. Let's get them healthy. Let's get them as big and fast as we can, you know, and, and try to recoup that whole spring development and winter development that we essentially lost this year, you know, and, um, you know, we've done very – you know, we've done a good amount of football stuff with them as well, uh, just from X's nose and, and Zoom meetings and everything like that. But for us, this summer was all about just kind of recovering the body from not having a normal fall last year not having a, a traditional offseason, just trying to gain as much of that back as we could.
2: And then uh, how much did it affect your recruiting? Did you retain a lot of guys? Did you have to replace a lot of guys? Because I know some – talking to other college coaches – they didn't keep as many as we all think they did because they gradu- They wanted to graduate like they had a job.
0: You know, like, I have yeah. a job. So, I'm going to go. Yeah, that's a great question, Coach. And for us, we were very much in line with that. So, like, you know, before we knew if our school was going to let us bring everyone back or not, um, the bulk – we're high academic school. So, we're high academic, Division 1AA. And, and our guys, you know, they make some of the top salaries in the nation. The bulk of our guys – had job offers by the time they left for the winter session. And the guys that didn't, they got those job offers for our spring season. So we did not retain nearly as many guys as some other programs did. I think more and more guys in FCS are like that than they are probably at the FBS level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say over half our senior class moved on to jobs. And then we're bringing about the rest of the other guys back, which we're excited about. You know, we'll have a little bit of a deeper roster than normal because of that. Um, But definitely for us in recruiting, hasn't changed too much. You know, we'll still recruit close to a normal size class this year. You know, I think the real real thing we'll see is about two years from now when all these guys that are freshmen and sophomores this past year that didn't lose this COVID year are starting to get into their senior year. That's when I think we're really going to see, you know, what we're doing with our recruiting classes uh, and if it's drastically different or not. Yeah, cause like I said, us high school
2: coaches, we you know you hear all the time, you know, oh, this can affect recruiting right now because of all the players today. Right. The but then, since I do the podcast and I get to talk to Division three, Division two, Division one, AA, even Division one coaches, they're like, no, that's not what's happening. This is what's happening, right? That's what I'm curious for like I,
0: right? Like I had three, I had three seniors, Finn, Rob, and Mark that I would have killed to have brought back, and all three of those guys, one, he got accepted into a law school that if he didn't take it now, he felt he wasn't going to have that spot in the future. And then the other two had full-time, very, very high-paying jobs that they were like, Coach, like, again, like, they're not guaranteeing anything in the job market that these jobs will be here this time, you know, next winter. And so, you know, all you can say to them is how – I mean, I told them I'm proud of them. I said, that's awesome. I love them. I supported them. It It was amazing you know i hated it for us i would love to have them back and really for me it was more i hated that their senior year they they got robbed of a regular season they only got four games that's what bothered me the most about the whole deal you know is that those guys they deserve more than that so
2: right well make sure they buy you like a steak dinner since they're gonna get make all that money
0: yeah i tell them that all the time they're uh They're going to make more than most coaches do. So uh, I'm not taking them out in the future for alumni weekends and all when they come back. They can take me out now.
2: Right. You can kick back and relax and let them pick up the tab. (laughs) There you go.
0: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, No, because I went to EIU, so I still, like, talk to people at EIU. They got to – they were in a weird situation. Like, some guys were on their fifth year already. Like, they were redshirt freshmen, so that sixth year, could they come back? Some couldn't, some could. Right. Did they even want to? that was the other thing five years of playing football it's like right i'm kind of done
0: like absolutely
2: um so that's why i'm curious to ask because you guys are the same level so that's just curious if how each one is different you know yeah and i don't think we ask those questions we just assume that oh they're fine yeah
0: every, right everyone kind everyone you know in espn and tv everyone kind of says the same thing like there's no recruiting spots this year and i'm and really, it kind of really just depends on the school. Like, some schools yeah. have everyone coming back. Other schools, you know, they, they've – guys have moved on, you know. And, and I know, like, for a lot of the higher – you know, a lot of the schools where the job opportunities are probably more easily accessible for recent graduates, a little tougher to get those guys to come back for an extra year, especially if you're about to make really good money. Right. And that was a big selling point to us, to our seniors. We told them, we were like, we support you guys on this 100%. Like, you do what you have to do, like – our, our, our goal as coaches from the day they come here is we say you're going to graduate and walk into a job and and so it was never a situation where we were going to tell our kids like hey you should turn that down and come back an extra year we let them make the decision and we're proud of them for that
2: right because especially with the COVID stuff going on who knew how long it was going to go like if there's a job you got to go
0: because absolutely
2: like like we were talking about before we're hearing rubbings of different things you never know you never and we're not going to go on that soapbox. We're not going to dive down. Right.
0: That. right. You
2: just never know. You just never
0: Absolutely. know. Absolutely.
2: Because, like, I'm a U of I fan because I grew up right down the, you know, 20 minutes. They're bringing back 40 seniors, which I think is right. Huge. That's huge. Right. And so, for a school like that, it might affect their recruiting a little bit, but not yet. Like, right now, no.
0: Correct. But after next year and- – And the and the big thing with that that a lot of people don't know is like the the NCAA current limit for like how many athletes you're allowed to have on roster and scholarships and all that was essentially not essentially it was waived this year so you can have extra guys. Okay. And what we've been told that ends after this year, so like there may be all these extra guys on a roster that have extra years of eligibility, but come next spring, you know it's it's business as normal. You have to have the the NCAA mandated amount of guys allowed on your roster. And if you're over that, like, there's just not going to be spots in those rosters for those guys. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to take a few years to really navigate, you know, this mess to be truthful.
2: Right. Cause it's like, can you take a scholarship away? Do they become walkers? Right. Like, that's what I'm curious to see is – and then how much can you offer? How much is this going to work? Like, yeah, you're right. It's going to take a year or two before school Absolutely. Like, oh, we're in trouble or – or we in a good spot. Maybe they were really young, and they're in a right. good spot. It, it, does, it just depends. Um, off of that soapbox, because I was just curious. Um, sure. From your time coaching tight ends, did that help you become like – because you're the run game coordinator too. Did that help you really oversee yes. the whole thing? Because I think every o- – I'm an O-line coach, and I'm the run game coordinator. I think run game coordinator is a fancy way of saying you're the O-line coach because that's what we do. <laughs> but – when you become like the run game coordinator, it's like you got to know h backs you got to know tight ends you have to understand where they fit into this. Do you think that really helped you get to that point of like coaching tight ends because I think if you if you coach tight ends, you know the whole offense you have to know everything
0: one one hundred percent i think my the best thing I ever did was in my second year like it was one of it was one of those humbling deals where uh, my head coach was going to retire at the end of the year. He brought my O-line coach, Jason Hotelling, who's now quality control at the Tennessee Titans, the O-line. He brought him on. He brought him back from Cornell. He was there my senior year. He won the title. He left for my first year coaching. And, um, I, I was, I was jacked up. He told, you know, I was like, he's going to make me the O-line coach, my second year coach of college football. And, he told me, yep, you're going to be tackling some tight ends. And I, I remember being like, tight ends, like I'm an O-line guy. <laughs> and he told me, he's like, you're going to learn. It's going to be best thing for you. And, and there's – I coached D-line. I loved it. I coached D- special teams. I loved it. But, like, the whole time I just kept saying to myself, man, I want to be back on the O-line. I had so much fun coaching tight end. I tell, like, guys all the time when they ask about, like, you know, you see yourself going back to D-line? I'm like, I'm an O-line guy. But, man, tight end's a fun position. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're an O-lineman in all the run game. Yep. And then you're receiving all – I you have to learn the entire offense. You you are – teaching those guys probably more than any position on the field, you know, in terms of like what they have to be able to do. And there's a reason why I think some of the best offenses in college football are heavy tight end base offense, whether they're 11 personnel or 13 personnel, like however they do it their tight end is a focal point of their offense because there's just so much you can do with that position. I loved it. It helped me learn the entire pass game, which I think from uh, – and, I, Coach, I agree with you. I always joke, like, run game coordinator title. Um, it's awesome. You know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a fancy way of saying, you know, you're the line coach. Coach, I agree with you on that. You know, I joke all the time, like, there's one title I carry around, that's being the offensive line coach, where, you know, where I'm coaching at. Um, but you know what it has helped me with? is when it comes to, you know, when you're doing the run game and you're breaking down preparation, what we want to run versus our week one opponent and all that, it helps you to play actions. It helps you just kind of understand, like, hey, how are we going to attack these coverages? You know, what are we trying to influence them with in the run game to set up our pass game? And that's where I feel like it brings so much more to the table having learned that coaching tight ends.
2: Yeah, I agree, because when, when he hired me, he's like, you're going to be O-line run game coordinator about the first week. I was like, so I'm the O-line coach, because they were asking me to put the <laughs> – because nobody there had, like, ever coached o- – they had, but they didn't want, like it, you know. Right. And I was, like, the first true – I played O-line. I've coached – I've coached every position except for safeties and corners. I've coached every spot. But it always turned back to O-line. Like, that's where right. I, 13 years, I think 10 of it's been that. So, I'm, like, the first true O-line person they've had. So they all asked right. me, was what what the blocking scheme? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do here? And I was like, oh, so I'm the O-line coach. I'm not the run game coordinator. I'm the O-line coach because you guys don't know this. No offense to them. They're like, they're learning. They're just asking me questions. So right. I just laughed. I, I tell people, yeah, I'm the run game coordinator, but I'm just the O-line coach. Like, I'm the O-line coach with a fancy title. Right. So I, I joke the same way. I'm like, that's just a title, which is fine. Because right. I've been the OC too, but I love being just O-line coach too. Less pressure. No
0: doubt. Less No pressure. doubt. And I, I, I'm the same way, Coach. I, I, you know, guys always ask, you know, like, you know, it's natural in this profession. Do you want to be OC? Do you want, I think all of us want to try something at some point and do stuff like that. But for me, like, my, my ambitious, ambition, goals in this profession is to be – just keep trying to be better as an O-line coach. That's my passion, so.
2: Yeah, because I was 24 years old as an OC, I think. Just young. Thought I knew it all. Right. Right. And I had to coach quarterbacks, which at first I was excited for because we had an O line coach. So I was like, I'll do quarterbacks. We didn't have one. I was like, I'll do it. It was fun at first. And then all of a sudden I was like, this is boring. (laughs) All we're doing is footwork over the bag and throwing the ball. Right. This is boring. And I kept peeking over at the O line, watching what they're doing. I'm like, what's (laughs) going on down there?
0: That was uh, when I coached tight ends. where I really would get – like, I loved it. I was loving everything. But one period of the day in practice, that would make me depressed. I'd be in seven-on-seven. Seven. <laughs> uh, I'd just be looking down the ends and watching the O-line D-line do one on once? and I'm like, man, I hate seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, this is tough for me to really get into. And, then, yeah, that's how I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term fix for me.
2: Yeah, because I think offensive coordinators should be the O-line coach or have coached O-line and just become the OC is what I think. Right. Now it's turned into you're the quarterback coach if you're the OC now. And I'm like, nah, you can pick up pretty easy on what the route concepts are. Knowing what happens in the trenches, you gotta know if you're the OC.
0: I worked for a great one in Rich Strotsky at FIU. He was an O line coach by trade years ago. My mom with Columbia. Uh, and then he and then he had switched. He wanted to be an OC, so he made the switch to quarterbacks. And we had we gave up uh, and 2018 FIU season set a bunch of records. He gave, we gave up eight sacks as an O-line and you know, everyone wanted like, like, Hey, what do you run protection wise? Like this and that, like, what are you doing technique? We gave up eight sacks because our quarterbacks had such a, an understanding from the, from the front and back, how the offense needed to run. And I, I always attribute that how he coached them and just the mindset he had having been O-line coach. Like, Everything was designed to not put pressure on those guys, like to make it as easy as possible in front blitz identification for the O line to you know from run game fits from from pass protections like, and I always say that that's what made us so good offensively was like he didn't look at it from like well he, what can we do with our skill he looked at it as like what can we do with the bigs up front mm-hmm. how can we minimize the stress on them and just let them play and then we'll use our skill to complement that and I, I always. If I'm ever OC, that's one thing I'll take. You know, take from that. Like, I thought that just made so much sense in how we approached that.
2: That's what uh, my OC does. We sit down and we go from inside out. So he sits down with me. Like, he'll tell me what he thinks the run game he wants in the run game. And then I tell him what we can really do. You know, like, hey, I
0: absolutely. Think-
2: we already did that. We did that on Wednesday after our summer camp. We sat down and said, okay, we wanted to be this, but now we're going to do this. Right. And- right. So I'm glad he does that. He goes, okay, we're going to look inside. What can we do in the run game? Because he's like, we got to set up the run. Then he goes outside of that. Then he goes, okay, Steve, and then outside of that, what can we do? Like, can we run screens? Can we do this? Can we do that? So I'm really glad right. he does that. So he involves me in a lot of conversation. And like, why, And then on the film, why is this not hitting right? And I might say, oh, the running back's moving too fast. So we work really well. So I think more OC more should – Sit down with our line coaches more instead of saying like this is what you're gonna do because I've been a part of like this is what you're gonna do instead right. of like this is what we can do and work together. So I'm really glad I'm a part of that and, and it's less Absolutely. pressure. For me. I, I'm like on Friday nights you're making the call. It's not on me. <laughs> the pressure's <Right>. on me. <laughs> right. I can give suggestions. That's all I do. I'm like yeah this is open, but you don't have to do it. Um, and one of the best things for me and I think it, you might say the same thing. I think it was my fifth year coaching. I went to a different high school. The head coach just got hired, and he goes – and I went up to him to coach, and he goes, what do you want to coach? And I said, offensive line, and if I have to coach defense, I'll do D-line because I played there. And he said, okay. Next day he goes, all right, you're here, but you're going to go coach linebackers and be the assistant DC. And I said, Uh what? And he goes, yeah, and you're going to help out varsity defense and call defense for JV. And I never did it before. He goes, you're going to that old phrase you're going right. to learn today, like, and I hated it at first, and then like the second year I loved it, but then when I went back to offense, which is what I wanted to do, I was like, this made me so much better doing defense. Absolutely. Now I understand what one
0: one hundred percent coaching D line, on that side of the ball. You just you just flip every so everything you know. You you keep doing that, but then you just you just learn so much of how 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 they see it on that side of the ball, how they defend it, and then you apply it. And, like, even now, like, we're we're real lucky that we got good staff here, man, Brian. Like, we got good guys. You know, people are humble. They're willing to talk. Like, our D.C. coach Parisi is awesome. Like, you know, him and I – there hasn't been a day this summer where the two of us haven't been in where he's not coming down the hall and I'm not going down the hall to him and just hopping on the board and being like, hey, how how are you defending this? Like, how are you – here's what I think, you like, a defense is going to do – and it, it's just, like, constantly like, clinking each other and all that and making each other better. And coaching defense, like, I, I, I took so much back. It, it's made me a better line coach. Um, and it's made me just have a better command of understanding what we're going to see on film every week and being able to, like, articulate that to my guys. Rather than just say, hey, we're running power to run power. Here's our blocking assignments. And, you know, you really can go in the depth and teach the guys, like, well, here's why we're doing it. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what they're trying to do to stop us, and here's how we're going to take advantage of that. And I just think that helps so much. Yeah. because every, every every coach, if you can, should coach on both sides of the ball early on. I mean, every every coach.
2: Yeah, because after I did that, I became the OC. So then it was, well, now I understand defense better. So when they're lined up – because I had to look at the whole thing now. So, like, when they're lined up like this, there's only one or two things right. I'm doing. So now I understand that. Right. Now that I'm the old line coach – I've been in an line coach just strictly aligned line the past four years now. Like you said, I can understand now when a box looks this way, this is why. When their hand placements coming here, this is why. When they shoot to this gap, this is why. And we understand it better now. Like you said, when we were on power right. and they shoot this gap, this is why. Be prepared for this. On pass protection, be prepared for this. Because that's what they do. And I right. understand it. So like you said, I tell people too – if you want to coach offense, go go to defense first, then yes. come
1: back. start selling online today sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22
2: but as a when i was assistant dc i never slept offense i sleep better I, <laughs> defense, right. I don't understand how people are dcs i could not sleep even as the assistant offense i sleep well
0: <laughs> I'd rather I get... you on that the uh you, I realize coaching defense. How much harder it is to defend. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many, so many draw. There's so many uh, drawbacks you have on defense you have to overcome before play starts. Whereas offensively, you know, if you execute, you know your sign, you know the count, you get off at the same point, you, know, you should gain positive yards. It may not be a lot, depending on how good the talent is, and all that, how well you execute. The um apologize, my phone just rang there for a second. Um, you should, you have the advantage and coach defense, you really don't, especially in today's world of RPOs. Which I, you know, I take full advantage of, you know. I, I've yet to see a ref throw a flag for a legal line downfield, four yards downfield, and I'll keep doing it until they do it, so. <laughs>
2: Coach Steve's show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickofftee.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff tea This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, Everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA for high school. Okay. The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff Tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftcom slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com CSS. Use the code CSS, get 10% off, buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the launch pad kickoff tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. I hear you on that. I tell them we get three yards. I'm like, but if they don't throw it.
0: (laughs) They don't throw it. Go keep doing it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if they don't do it, you keep going. And that happened in our last game of the year. I go back and watch film. We were four yards down the field, five yards, and we threw in it for a touchdown, and nobody said anything. I'm like, okay okay we're good let's do that again um before you go i was going to ask you like we're going to be more by the time this is released i don't care defenses will know who we are sure we were going to be heavy power and then we came in lost our tight end to rugby he tore his acl mm. now we can't find another tight end so i had to look at him in the eye and say we have to be zoned Like we, I don't think we, you can run power without an H back or a tight end. I just don't think it's possible. Like I
0: don't.
2: So we're going to be inside zone pin and pull. That's, that's what we're going to be. We've come to that decision, maybe power read and that's it. Do you guys run zone? And if you do, do you do any combo zones?
0: Yeah. So we run inside zone, outside zone. Um, We compliment both of them with that. We do a lot of different stuff with slice action in the backfield, whether it's read game or whether it's true backside, kick out the DN, cut the DN. I'm a big believer in the inside zone of covering first-level guys up as long as possible, create lanes as quick as possible for the running back, but not necessarily come off to the second level. So, like, our inside zone looks more duo-ish. Mm-hmm. We're not running off the ball in our inside zone. Like we're gonna, we're gonna play with good pace and good color. We call it good colors green, yellow, red. We're gonna rock back and we're gonna, we're gonna build walls in the defense. And our goal is to get at least two double teams. Our heavier tight end sets we usually get three, um, but we're gonna cover up first level guys and make those linebackers have to come fit us. And the speed at which they fit is all is what determines how quick you come off the double team. Um, philosophy with that is we're going to eliminate TFLs we're going to pick up movement easier by, by operating that way, by not being fast and we're going we're gonna to start each play with positive yards, so we're going to stay on tracks so the runback's not going to get hit behind the back he's not going to hit on the last scrimmage, he's going to have about a yard to work with and we teach our running back his job is to sink the backers to us, so we create these walls on the defense and he's pressing the read spot and how those guys fit will determine where he plants and hits the play. So, I love it. I learned it when I was at FIU. I kept doing it, and I've kind of you know took it here with me when I came up to Brian and Coach let me take over the run game, and I've just kept coaching it and coaching it and tweaking it here and there as I see fit. And then outside zone for us, as slow as inside zone is, outside zone has to be that much faster. Like I want us to run off the ball. I'm not a uh, reach guy in outside zone. I don't believe in that. I believe in running on angles, grabbing guys and running them on the angles that they want to go. If so they want to hold the C gap, or run to the sideline and let them hold the C gap. If he's a gap defender. I reach him. I'm gonna press vertical and take him vertical right now. So we're trying to ca- capture guys on angles um, and create cutback lanes. So we we're our outside zone is very much a press the spot and puncture type play, more so than we're trying to capture the edge. Like I don't, we don't talk about capturing the edge at all. So, and I think that by doing it that way, they really complement each other, because you're putting the linebackers in two completely different type of run fits. And Now, for, I don't know how it is in Illinois. Are you guys a lot cut block, or no in Illinois?
2: We can only cut block if it's in the box. Perfect. You know, that's the only time. I
0: will. I would. I teach our backside guys and outside zone to cut as much as possible. I want. I want bodies on the freaking ground on the backside. And, guys, I love studying with that as App State. I mean, they probably do as good of a job as anybody in college football doing it. And my goal is for us to keep doing that until the NCAA makes cup blocking illegal, which I'm sure will happen in my time coaching. So, um, but that's how we do that. So, we'll have true combos on our outside zone. We'll make calls and identify guys together. In our inside zone, we don't have true combo calls. We wind up in combos naturally, but we're playing with different colors and just reacting how defense fits. So so I hope that answered that.
2: Yeah, I, I came in after that happened. I said, we need to look at inside zone, and I just said wide zone. I think they're almost the same, but I just said wide same. zone.
0: Yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, don't, I don't get caught in the whole outside zone versus wide zone. Yeah, it's to me, it's however you teach the philosophy of the play, whether it's capture the edge or whether it's run on angles, it's – You can call it whatever. It really just depends on how you coach that play.
2: Right. Well, I've said outside zone before, and someone goes, no, 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 you mean wide zone, so that's why I have to (laughs) correct myself. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, one time I put up a picture of what you are talking about, inside zone. That's what we – in 2018, I was on a team. We couldn't do the normal stay on your track inside zone, so we just said, why don't we just double team? And it just worked tremendously and we went 10 and 1 that year. That was one of our best plays. I'm not saying that's right. why we went 10 and 1, but that helped. And so one day on Twitter I put a picture up of it and I just said to people, is this your inside zone or is this your duo? For me this is inside zone. I should have never have done that because <laughs> people came after me like not as mean as like other things. It wasn't winged sure. red, but it was like this is duo. What are you talking about? No, this is inside zone. You're right. right. No,
0: nah, I, I Coach, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that. You know, the. Uh, that's where guys ask me, like, when I put – you know, I'll post stuff on social media. And I, I like doing that for high school coaches, just trying to talk ball with them. And recruits like it. I like showing recruits kind of what we teach here. And I've had guys ask me, like, what what do you really call us? I'm like, listen, I'm not getting into that a public forum because there's, there's gurus out there that are smarter than me that will come at me. So I just – I coach football and have fun with it. I don't need that that heat. <laughs> no, I love so it. I feel I you me. on that.
2: I'll watch your stuff. And I, and as long as I can incorporate to what I think it is, I'm like, that's, that's the same thing. So like, if you put up inside yeah. zone and someone, like if you're, if you put up duo and I looked at it and I went, oh, that's like our inside zone. I wonder how he does it. I would send you a message and say, what's your steps? Here Absolutely. That's the way my mind works. And then there's people out there. Somebody sent me a message and said, you drew up the running back wrong. And I say like, that's why you had a problem <laughs> with it.
0: Like, you know, Coach. What I always joke, you know, something that's always funny to me. Like uh, this past um, April, when we were in the office, so our season was done. We were doing self scout. Um, you know, our players were in like ray final exams, so we really couldn't do much with them. You know, I always pick a few teams, film study. So I always try to do like what we do. I'll pick, I'll pick like four or five teams. So, like this year, I studied Liberty, I studied Buffalo, I studied Kent State. Um, I studied a couple of FCS schools, and I'll always pick somebody random that, like, does nothing like us. And so, like, I watched Army and Kennesaw State, and they're both triple teams. And, you know, I just love seeing how people attack the game. I love seeing different offenses. Mm -hmm. And one thing that kind of drives me a little crazy, I'm a young coach. By no means am I a guy that knows that much. I tell people all the time, I just do this because I have fun. I love it. I love learning from people. Those old line coaches at those schools do an unbelievable freaking job. There's no one right way to 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 play the position and to to play the game. And so like I always find it amusing. I know like you 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 were joking, not to bring heat or anything. The Wing T argument I saw like unfold this year. <laughs> like it cracks me up because I'm watching Army, you know, not Wing T, but I'm watching guys run off the ball out of, you know, the four-point stances and just demolish people. And I'm like, that's good football. Like, it may not be how I teach O-line. You know, I'm unconventional. I coach everyone. We're always out of a two-point stance. And people are like, man, that's not physical football. And I'm like, that's okay. We ran the ball for 180 yards this spring every game, you know, and two, two hundred plus rushing games. So I think everyone's different. I think there's no one right way to do it. I think that good football is good football and you know, I think the way you learn is you just watch what other good coaches do, and I think that's that's something I try to do. I just try to find the teams that do the best, and I don't care what level it is, D3 up, like I up, high school up. I like watching guys that do good things, and, um, and you learn something from it. So,
2: Yeah, I just love offense. I don't care what it is, so I'll watch exactly. Army. Exactly. I'll
0: watch exactly.
2: Army. I'm a spread – I will if I'm ever an OC again, we're going to be pistol or spread. I'm sorry. That's just what we are. That's what I am. Right. Well, you best believe – I watch Army because when we see an odd man front, we sometimes triple team the nose, like a dive, even though it's inside zone. <laughs> so guess who I watch to see how they might do it? Army and them.
0: Right. I wonder Absolutely.
2: Like, and some like for example, what's coming back around in football? Buck sweep and stuff. We're coming back to
0: Absolutely.
2: So guess what I'll do? I'll reach out to a wing T coach. How do you block buck yes. sweep? Like, that's what we should be doing. And then if they in turn ask me, well, how do you throw this concept? How do you do this? I would answer them. But instead, we're too busy. Uh, oh, spread teams are soft or wing T coaches need to do this. <laughs> you know, like, I'll poke fun at it. Don't get me wrong, but I poke fun. No, the- I
0: do too. I, I I have the time of my life with it. I just – I like I said, I, I, I joke with people all the time. My, my fellow uh, – you know, some fellow line coaches in this profession, I always bust their chops and we joke about it like the – uh the nature of what is and isn't good football and I man i tell you you can learn like you kind of said coach talking about the buck sweep and all that like i like studying the triple teams for the motions that they do i always look how can i incorporate that out of our bunch sets our tight sets um you know how can we take advantage of stuff like that and like i like i guess coach good football is good football
2: right all right i know you gotta go so real quick before you go i have two other things on zone real quick on my mind before you go sure out
0: of- got
2: time um when when I sat down with our staff, I've been studying wide zone all summer, just in case we get to that point. Sure. I brought it up. And this and if my coaches are listening to this, this is not me talking bad. I'm just asking questions. Um, we talked about it. And one thing we all kind of said was, we're really worried about when we try to push people vertically of someone leaking through. Do you find that's a sure. big problem? Does it happen sometimes? Or its it's like, if it happens, it happens. It just doesn't happen a lot. That's what we're worried about. We we haven't yeah. put it in yet, but we might. We're just worried about no I, coming
0: through. A- absolutely, there's that. That is a very valid reason to worry about. Like we did not run. So like at FIU, we were an inside zone team. We did pin and pull, and we did gap scheme. Well, we like. 80% of the time, I would tell you, we lived in inside zone. Mm-hmm. And our mentality was, of Coach Cross, your OC, it was a great mentality, was we're not going to have TFLs. We're going to stay on schedule. We're going to have good play action off our inside zone. And you were going to be okay with getting three, four yards a pop and then busting a big one every – like his his goal was, I think – hey, I don't want to quote him wrong. It was a one out of every, like, 12-run plays – some for 16 run he wanted to be a big explosive and so like we were gonna grind out yards and stay on schedule be in second and six be on third and three um and his belief was like with outside zone you're opening yourself up to TFL as a negative place and I don't disagree with him so my first year here at Bryant I stuck pretty much to what I learned there You know, we were a gun-read option team when I was in college, so we didn't run a whole lot of outside zone either when I was a player and when I was coaching at Pace University. I was a big pin-and-pull, re-gap defense guy. And we were efficient running the ball at times, but when we were physically overmatched against some of the better teams, I found that we just didn't have the space and the angles to do anything, no matter what we want to do Mm RPO-wise. And so I did a poll study throughout the past year, kind of looked at how I taught things, and I said, like, when you look at outside zone teams – it truly is a direct complement to your inside zone, so like yes tFLs are are they an issue? Yes, I think the the way I handle that is i again for me, I stress to my guys it is not about reaching guys it's about running on tracks and blocking what shows up in your angles, and really, you have to coach the running back to be in tune with that and understand that a one cut, get get north and just get a yard, get back to the line of scrimmage is totally okay in the outside zone. It, it does not have to be a boom or bust play. And I think a lot of times when you watch outside zone teams, that's kind of a wide zone. That's kind of like, you're like, man, this is awesome. And then you're like, holy heck, that's a lot of negative plays. Mm-hmm. So for us, we directly combine it to complement our inside zone. You know, and I think that by living in both worlds, you can do that. And I think it just helps you. And those linebackers never know which way they're getting hit, whether it's on an angle or whether it's straight down in their face. So um, the other thing I'll say from a technique perspective that I like uh, that I stole from Buffalo, and I don't, I don't know the coaching dynamic, how they did it or, or what their line coach was teaching. I just kind of got their film last fall when we weren't playing and studied it. Uh, a lot of times on the backside they skip to run rather than open, drop step, you know, turn and reach and run on the backside. And I found with us in the spring that that allowed us to be square a lot quicker. So when we got movement when we got penetration, we were in a position where we could take it square on while still running on a, on a good track. So that helped us a lot. Something I'm going to keep coaching and doing. Um, no, and there's valid arguments to that coach. You know, you just got to, again, run them on angles, move them, move them where they want to go rather than fight, fight pressure or pressure and they're knocking you up the field. And you'll find that there's just lanes all over the place for you.
2: Yeah, because what's great about the coaching staff I'm on is they'll listen. So if I come in with something, we talk about it. I've been on staffs where I brought it, something up and they say, no, we're not doing that. You know, yep. so I, I brought I brought it to them. I said, I've studied it just in case. And they thought the same thing. We all think it's to hook them. And I tried to tell them, no, I'd rather just push them. If we can't go vertically, I want to move them horizontally. Absolutely. But then I told them, if we are going to make this commitment, I, August 9th when we show up, that's the first thing I'm doing for weeks. Like, yes, like we have the inside zone part. Now it's this. So yes. nothing against them. They said, you know, let's just focus on inside zone, pin and pull, and maybe like a trap. And I said, okay, that's fine. You, 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 the OC and the head coach are the boss. That's what we're going to do. You're right. Um, and power read. We're going to do that too. But yep. we're, we're a young team. We're, you know, these coaches have been around, but we're a young staff together. Like this is our second sure. year. But that that was one of the questions they had, and I said, don't worry, I'll find out for you. Like, Is this a just an us concern, and then how do we stop it? Well, my argument was you could worry about that on every play. Every play could be a negative, negative yard. But you're right. I'd rather just push them vertically and make the running back make a decision. Right. Like you said, if we don't have to hook them, that just saves us energy. That saves us moving.
0: Absolutely. They, and you'll find it's amazing how they will rush – that was one thing I like when I coached defense, I learned that I think at times my D.C. I worked under would get frustrated, but we had results to back it. Um, I would tell guys, if you get reached, just keep continuing vertical through the O-lineman. Don't, don't fight the reach. Like Run him vertical, vertical. We would knock O-lineman back, so he would reach us, but he'd be four yards in backfield, and that running back was coming back in the B-gap. No different than where we wanted him to cut back if we were still in our C-gap. I found that the when you run outside zone, teams are going to run laterally to try to match their gap integrity rather than come down and meet you downhill. And I love that. Like I want them doing that. Cause then we're gonna line up in the same formation, we're gonna run outside zone, we're gonna line up in the same formation next play run inside zone. And that linebacker's cheating to step to his right because he's so worried about getting out leveraged. And next thing you know, we're smacking him in the face. So I think it I think it directly compliments, you know. Again, some people tell you, you know, you can't run zone and gap. Some people will tell you you can't run. Outside zone and inside zone. Whatever you do, like for us, we're always going to do four run schemes. That's that's kind of the number I've honed in on over the years. I used to do too many. I used to have eight, then I knocked down a six, and now I'm, we're going to do four run schemes. I did it last year. I loved it. And we're just going to have different layers of how to attack it out of each one. So, All
2: right. I lost two quick questions. They can be quick answers. Sure. I only had one and then you brought pen and pull. So I was like, I got to ask this question. Um, when you did pen and pull, would you do it without a tight end or did you find you had to have a tight end or could you do it without one?
0: Yeah. Um, I've only done it with a tight end. If I was still doing it now, we, we don't do it now just from the time. Our guys here, we just don't have that much time. Um, like, because of the academic structure here and how hard these guys have to work with that, we don't get near the amount of mean time I have at other places, which is okay. It's part of the nature. Um, against a team that plays like zero nose, two four eyes, at 100% 10 personnel, would I would do pin and pull against it all day long. Rather than try to fight to reach that, I, I would do that looking back. so I think you can definitely do it against tight end without a tight end. I think you just got to be strategic and know what front you're doing it against.
2: Yeah, because we dabbled in it in the spring and we it without a tight end, and I would just have the tackle kick out and the guy would just wrap up underneath, right. kind of. So it wasn't really pin and pull, but it kind of like power without the tight end, you know, sometimes. Right. And then sometimes right. you have two guys pulling and they go right underneath of them. And so since we don't have a tight end really this year, we might develop one, but it won't be like a mean tight end. You know, it's going to be a body. I have to dabble in can we do it without a tight end? So I'm right. trying to figure out if there's a five tech, do we just kick him out and wrap underneath? Do I tell my tackle we'll go for the linebacker and the kick-out guy kicks him out and we run underneath, we could do that too?
0: I've Yeah, for us, we've gone more to the GT counter, and I feel like that's given us the same amount of numbers um, to the play side, pulling the guard tackle. And we can still do all of our power read action off the backside where those, the guard and tackle are leaving from to mirror what we do with our power read game. So. Um, but, no, I, I agree. You know, pin and pull is awesome because you're getting extra – you're turning a two-man surface into a four-man surface. You know I mean? You're just adding extra blockers. You know, three-man and a five-man. You're recapping the defense, which I, I don't think you can do enough. I mean,
2: right, because we put it in because we were a big ISO team in the spring. Yep. They started to do four eyes, so we would just down block and kick around. That's why we put it – I put it in in two days. I was like, let's just do this we could already skip, we would skip poll too, just in case I was like, well, you already know how to skip poll. Let's just do this. Right. Um, but now this year I don't, we're not, we may not be ISO. So that again, my problems are not your problems, but my mind is always racing of like, how can I do this? How can I do this? Sure. Sure. You know? Um, and then real quick on inside zone, cause we combo and this to yep. be, you're going to hear this and say, I'm going to get off. Cause Steve is stupid. When we combo, Let's say we're running inside zone right. I still tell my guys we have to kind of go to the right. So when we're combo, we're aiming for the right side backer. You know what I mean? Like yep, yep. that's what we're trying to do. My center, I moved from. I had to move a guard to center, so he's very good at like blowing people off the ball. So right. what's happening is we're comboing and we're not getting to the right side backer because he's pushing the guy too far to the left. So I wonder how I, how would you fix something like that? Like if I'm just going to tell them to, to flip her, you know, like just flip her and go, would you ever flip and go? Like just, I, I think I call it, I think I stole it from you or somebody else. It's called like near shoulder where they like they cower and blast and then go.
0: Yeah. We would call that rock back technique. So we're going to, same. Do it's, it's yeah, we, we call that rock back. So like, we're working a front side combo to play side backer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We would shove. We would take one step with our play side foot, and what we always, what I always tell my guys is, key the play, key the gap closest to you. If there's nothing in that gap, so if I'm out, there, my gap's open. Key the next gap closest to you. Any knee of the defender that comes in your gap, that's how you know to come off and abandon your combo block. Mm-hmm. The gap. nothing shows up. You're taking one step of your play side foot, and then you're rocking back. So you're pushing off that foot. So, example, right guard going right, combo at the center. I'm playing one step to the right. I'm pushing off that instep of my foot. Nothing shows up my gap. And I'm coming back right now with the high knee forearm shoulder, and I'm smashing back into that, that two eye or, or shade. And I am physically knocking him back. We call that rock back technique. So I'm going to rock back. So nothing's in my gap. I'm going to rock back now, bang it to the man behind me, and then I'm going to ricochet off to the second level. So we just call that rock back to ricochet. Um, that way we don't get too mired into the block. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're a quicker combo guy, I think it's a really good technique because you can really just knock it back right now and then release the second level. Um, and you can do the same thing play side. If, if, if we have a combo play side on the center and he's a 2Y and that guy's playing for the guard, whether you teach the gallop or scoot, however you teach it, shove it to him, knock it to him, and then you climb. So. It all goes back to, yeah, so we 100% will use our form.
2: Yeah, I, we gallop and gap scheme, and then I just haven't done it in zone just because I would. I do kind of like what you said, step and then head instead of gallop. Right. Because growing up and coaching gallop is gap scheme. You don't do it in zone.
0: Right, 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 right. And
2: this year, I'm kind of like, screw it. I may just have to do it, but teach them to the ricochet off because my center can just block on his own. So I'm like we don't even have to mess with it.
0: Absolutely. Um I knew that was going to be a stupid question, but like I said I'm Not a stupid not a stupid question at all.
2: Cuz I'm making my problems your problems right now.
0: No. We all we all have similar problems. So just don't worry.
2: Because we kept going if we called zone to the left, we were moving to or right and we, we would move to the left and that backer just come flying in. Yep. And even though we should be running behind those guys, if that guy's good, which was happening, we just we had a joint practice with another team, and that's where I saw it. Sure. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be a problem. And we talked about it. Like Steve, you may just have to go to traditional inside zone and just stay on your tracks. And I was like, oh, but that I'd rather double team. I would rather blow people off the ball. Right. Instead of doing that. So that was my dumb. The dumb question of the podcast probably was was that. No,
0: one. not at all, coach.
2: But since we're going to marry inside zone, I can rep it more now. You know, we were we were Absolutely. sharing power and inside zone reps and ISO. If we're just going to do inside zone, I can fix it, I think.
0: Absolutely. Well,
2: Coach, I know you got to go. I went over on my time, so I apologize.
0: Just don't apologize. I, I enjoyed this. I mean that. I'm happy I was able to finally get on. I appreciate you staying patient with me.
2: Oh, no, it's okay. Uh Like I said, I know people are busy, so, like, I don't push people. I'll send them a message, and then I wait because we are all busy (laughs) and we all have lives. Right. But, no, I appreciate you. Um, I will watch what you guys do this year uh, in our fall season since we get back to normal. Um, I'm now a Bryant University fan, I guess.
0: I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm
2: usually a fan of the coaches, teams that I talk to. I'm like, well, I'm a fan of a bunch now. Like
0: Right, right. I'm well, like I tell everyone, coach, and I mean this the door here, our head guy is awesome about it. And you know, our door is always open. If you're ever this way, we tell guys, come out, we'll talk ball, we'll get seafood, enjoy the New England life, and and um uh, go from there.
2: Well, hopefully I get you back on after the season. Hopefully we'll absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Go check him out. What's your Twitter, just in case people don't follow you, just in case.
0: Yeah, it's uh, at uh, Coach and then just my last name, so it's at Coach C I O C C I Cios Coach Cios.
2: All right, guys, go follow him on Twitter. Check out the stuff. I steal a lot of the stuff you put on there on videos.
0: Absolutely,
2: This has been another episode of the Coach Steve Show. and We'll see you guys next time.